microphone for a moment. Um, again, I'm pleased to be here and able to to speak in Jason's absence. I really, really uh, appreciate uh, what Jason's been doing here, and um, I'm glad to fill in for him. Uh, let's pray again before we begin. Holy Spirit, again, speak strong but gentle words to us this morning, for we are weak and may not be able to endure your mighty wind. Amen. Uh, several of our folks, as I've said multiple times this morning, are, are at, uh, including Pastor Jason, are not with us because they are at Temple Hills at family camp, which happens every year on this weekend. I probably have preached more in this pulpit on uh, holiday weekends than the pastors actually have over my years here. Uh, but I know that Jason and I, a few weeks ago when we got back from senior high camp, did a little bit of a sort of a talk on Temple Hills as one of our favorite things um, on that Sunday. But I want to reflect a bit more on church camp this morning because uh, church camp has been and, and still is one of my uh, most favorite things. And I didn't really tell you all the things that I wanted or felt like I needed to tell you that Sunday. So I want to begin with some memories. Um, I remember a place in the Arbuckle Mountains in south central Oklahoma, a place called Falls Creek. It was my summer church camp when I was in high school and in the late 1960s. At the time, there were five weeks of camp. I've told you some of this before, but I'm going to reiterate it for those who weren't here. At the time that I was there, we had five weeks of senior high camp. And each week, there were about 5,000 different campers at this camp. It was, uh, it was and is evidently one of the largest uh, youth encampments in the world. I think, I, as I said last time, I checked their website, and they claim that there are 50,000 students that come through there in the summer these days. Um, but it, so it, it was a great place. I thought, in fact, it was one of the greatest places in the world. And so I arranged my life during the summers so that I could be there all five weeks during summer camp at, Temp at Falls Creek. Um, I did that by working at the camp. I worked at the gate where we buses and everything came in. Um, and I was there for five weeks every summer from my high school career. And I have to confess, I guess, here at the beginning that my motives were not purely spiritual. Uh, there were lots of beautiful girls at Falls Creek, too. And, and I was not unaware of that, I should say. So I have many memories of Falls Creek uh, beyond that. I remember softball tournaments, and I remember chocolate malts and ices from the camp refreshment stands. And I remember the sound of the creek and the falls and the smell of the mountains and the cedars. And I remember the night sounds of locusts and katydids and tree frogs and the nighttime cabin sounds. I remember the smell of uh, right guard spray deodorant and English leather men's cologne. <laughs> uh, dating myself again there. I remember cold water showers. Our cabin didn't have hot water. And the only way you could get a hot water shower was if you, and the pipes laid across the ground. So if you were first back in the evening after the water had warmed up in the, in the pipes from the sun, you could get a solar hot water shower, but after that, it was cold. It was cold. Uh, I remember good friends and guitars and, and popular music. Shannon, I don't know if you can put up that photo now. If it, uh, that's a photo of me. Can you guess which one's me? 
Uh, you know, it's really bad because all I had was a Polaroid. I went looking for these old films or pictures, and all I could find was this old faded Polaroid. I'm the guy in the middle, and my friend Bobby Haddon's on the left, and my friend on the right is Rick Ryan. Uh, Rick passed away a few years ago, but uh, Bobby and I are still around. Bobby's my friend I used to play guitar with. He's in Corpus Christi, Texas now, and... Um, I'm sure he, he told me he was going to listen to this sermon uh, on, online later on. So I look forward to getting his feedback. I remember, uh, beyond my friends, I remember good uh, morning and evening services. We went to chapel twice a day there, just like we do at Temple Hills. And then the whole camp would walk over these sun-baked dirt roads with these beautiful girls that I was watching, carrying pillows and Bibles and notebooks and I remember all of us, 5,000 people, milling around and, and uh, streaming into this open-air tabernacle where we would sit on these hard wooden slat benches, perhaps the most uncomfortable benches ever designed, which is why the girls were carrying pillows, because they could sit on their pillows. And I think they were designed this way to keep us awake during service. Uh, but I may be wrong. Maybe they were just cheap. But um, I remember sweltering just in the heat in July in, in Oklahoma in the tabernacle praying for some breeze that would come through. You always wanted to sit near the edge if you could so you could get a little outside breeze but there were big fans moving the wind around and you'd hope for that if you couldn't get on the edge. I remember hoping that my deodorant would last through the surface and that I remember singing this glorious sound of 5,000 voices joined together to sing how great thou art, and victory in Jesus, and wherever he leads, I'll go, and I have decided to follow Jesus. Those were some of our camp songs. There was preaching, too, of course, at every service twice a day, but I remember nothing really in particular about the 200 or so sermons I heard during my summers at Falls Creed. I can't, I can't recall a single message. And I'm sure the sermons were good because Falls Creek was such a large place that we got the best speakers in the Southern Baptist Convention each week, and I suppose the sermons had some cumulative effect on me, but I don't remember exactly what that was. The context, uh, you know, the youthful experience of being at Falls Creek was much more memorable than the content of any of the sermons. And I cherish those memories. Those times and friends shaped me. Uh, the memories formed me. They helped make me who I am. To use a phrase we'll get to later this morning, Falls Creek is one of my core memories. These days, my church camp experience and memories also include Temple Hills, our American Baptist camp, for those of you who don't know, that's up Mill Creek off the Paradise Valley, about, oh, 90 minutes or so from here. I wonder, many of you have had experiences at, at Temple Hills as well, I'm sure, over the years. And I wonder if you have your memories and if Temple Hills is a core memory for you. I know they have been for some of your children, for sure. I would love to hear your stories, so maybe we can chat after the service. But beyond memories, did you know that church camping is biblical? It is. The Hebrew people went camping once for 40 years. They camped for 40 years. On the last day of their camp, too, as the people were preparing to leave the wilderness to enter the promised land at their Friday night camp service, 
campfire service, their camp director and camp preacher, Moses, gathered them all together and delivered his closing sermon. It was a long one. We have it recorded today as the book of Deuteronomy. He had a lot to say to these people after living with them in the wilderness for 40 years. But as long as this sermon was, his theme was simple. Remember. Do not forget. Remember. Over and over again. Do not forget. Well, what were they to remember? So I'm going to read you a bit of Moses' sermon here. It's less than a chapter, and the book is like 30 eight chapters long or something, so you realize how long they had to sit through his sermon. But I won't keep you that long today. This is from the sixth chapter of Deuteronomy. I'm going to read the 10th verse through the 25th, and then a few verses from chapter 8. So it's kind of long, but bear with me. When the Lord your God, and this is Moses speaking, Friday night campfire service. When, you're, when the Lord your God has brought you into the land that he swore to you, to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you a land with fine, large cities that you did not build, houses filled with all sorts of goods that you did not fill, hewn sisters that you did not hew, vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant, and when you have eaten your fill, take care that you do not forget the Lord." who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. The Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name alone you shall swear. Do not follow other gods, any of the gods of the peoples who are all around you, because the Lord your God who is present with you is a jealous God. The anger of the Lord your God would be kindled against you, and he would destroy you from the face of the earth. Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massah. You must diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his decrees and his statutes that he has commanded you. Do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord so that it may go well with you and so that you may go in and occupy the good land that the Lord swore to your ancestors to give you, thrusting out all your enemies before you as the Lord has promised. And when your children ask you in time to come, what is the meaning of the decrees and the statutes and the ordinances that the Lord has commanded you. Then you shall say to your children, We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. The Lord displayed before our eyes great and awesome signs and wonders against Egypt, against Pharaoh and all his household. He brought us out from there in order to bring us in, to give us the land that he promised on oath to our ancestors. Then the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our lasting good, so as to keep us alive, as is now the case. If we diligently observe this entire commandment before our Lord our God, as he has commanded, we will be in the right. And then from chapter 8. This entire commandment that I command you today you must diligently observe so that you may live and increase and go in and occupy the land that the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember the long way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness in order to humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. He humbled you by letting you hunger, then by feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted in order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So, having read all that, and I thank you for bearing with me in that, be thankful that I didn't preach the entire Moses sermon by reading that. What were they to remember? 
They were to remember who God is. They were to remember who they were. They were to remember all they'd experienced in the wilderness, their times of unfaithfulness, God's times of faithfulness, and care for them. They were to remember all that God had commanded them. They were to remember that God had provided for them and not they themselves. That in response to their cries for help, God had delivered them from Egypt and Pharaoh through no work of their own hands. They were to remember to tell these memories and their stories and commandments to their children and their grandchildren generation after generation. Why were they to remember this? So things would go well for them in the land. Did they remember? Not so much. Did things go well for them in the land? Again, not so much. At senior high camp this year, we watched and discussed the Disney Pixar film called Inside Out. Hunter was there, right? We did this. The film is about one year in the life of Riley, which I know for those of you who are a little bit older, the life of Riley means something completely different. But this little girl's name is Riley, and she's 11 years old. And her family moves from Minnesota, the only home she's ever known, to San Francisco. Completely different world. But as the title suggests, the film is also about what goes on inside Riley as she makes this emotionally disruptive journey from the only home she's ever known to an unknown city. As Riley struggles emotionally, trying not to be sad, she loses touch with her core memories. Now, in the film, core memories are the memories, those really important memories and experiences that have shaped our personalities, the love of our parents, um, a special success that we had, things like that. They shape our personalities. They help us understand and remember who we are in all of our relationships. They are memories of family, friends, places, and events. Core memories make us who we are. They sustain us through difficult times. They made Riley, in the words of the film, they made Riley, Riley. When Riley loses her core memories, it seems she's lost herself. Her emotions take control. And we discover that, as Dallas Willard, the late Dallas Willard wrote, emotions make excellent servants, but they are terrible masters. Mastered by her emotions, Riley begins to act in ways that she and her parents don't even recognize. They don't even understand. Ways that are certainly not characteristic of who she is. But that's the problem. She doesn't remember who she is. She cries at school. She fails at hockey, her favorite sport. She lashes out at her parents. She becomes angry with her best friend from Minnesota. She's lonely, angry, afraid, and disgusted with her new life. She wants her old life back. She eventually resorts to lying, theft, and she tries to run away from home and go back to Minnesota, all because she's lost her core memories, because she doesn't remember who she is. The same thing happened over and over again to the children of Israel when they moved from the camp into their new homeland. They forgot who they were. They forgot who God is and what God had done for them. They forgot what God required of them over and over, and they began to act in ways that were unrecognizable and uncharacteristic. They worshiped other gods. Though they had been admonished by Moses to remember, they forgot their core memories. And because of that, things did not go well for them in the land. Then, 
Years later, in the fullness of time, a new child of Abraham appeared. He was baptized by John and led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested for 40 days. And for 40 days he camped in the wilderness. He fasted and prayed and was tested, just as his ancestors were led into the wilderness to camp and be tested for 40 years. Unlike his ancestors, however, Jesus did not forget who he was or who God was or what God had commanded. He remembered. He recalled the core memories of his people. Listen to this story of Jesus' temptations, just to remind you. When Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, then he was led up, I'm sorry. He, was, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus turned to him and said, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. At each test, Jesus remembered. Do you know what he remembered? He remembered Moses' Friday night campfire sermon. Each of these texts that he quotes are from Moses' Deuteronomy sermon. First test, turn stones to bread. Don't rely on God. Feed yourself. Response, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's from Moses' Friday night camp sermon, Deuteronomy 8.3. Second test. Throw yourself off the temple. Test God to see if he will prove who he is by sending angels to catch you and to save you from your fall. Jesus' response, again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, it's from Moses' camp sermon, Deuteronomy 6, 16. Third test, accept the devil's gift of all the kingdoms of the world. Avoid the way of the cross, which of course means Jesus would worship Satan. Response, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Also from Moses' final camp sermon, Deuteronomy 6, 13. Jesus remembered as Moses had instructed his people to remember. And then Jesus, this is interesting, and then Jesus in his turn becomes and assumes the roles of Moses. He becomes deliverer, prophet, savior, camp director, camp physician and camp preacher. (laughs) Jesus' final camp sermon, however, was not on a Friday night. It was on a Thursday. Thursday evening during Passover in Jerusalem. As Moses had preached to the 12 tribes, 
before his departure, Jesus preached to his twelve disciples before his crucifixion. His sermon was simple. He took bread, he blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them to eat. Likewise, he took the cup, he took wine, blessed it, and gave it to them to drink. He said, this is my body, broken and given for you. This is my blood, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And then he said this, do this in remembrance of me. Just as Moses had admonished his children, the children of Israel, to remember, so Jesus commands his disciples to remember him. Remember. Remember me. Remember Jesus. Do not forget. Because all the laws, all the commandments, all of Moses' Friday night camp sermon, all are now fulfilled in him, in his life, death, and resurrection. In In remembering Jesus, we remember it all. We remember all of it. So one last camp story. A few years ago, um, Sal and Stan built a ropes course at Temple Hills, and it was high, and it was great. But if you don't know what you're doing, it could be dangerous. So no one was supposed to be up at the ropes course without permission, without supervision. So they put a chain across the path, and on this path they hung a wooden sign, which said on one side, No one beyond this point without permission or supervision. I can't remember which. On the other side of the sign, it said this, only Jesus. I liked that sign, and uh, though the ropes course is no longer there, the the sign was still hanging on a chain lying in the weeds by the path. I've thought over the past few years that we shouldn't lose it. It shouldn't just lie in the weeds and rot because it was a good sign. So this year on Saturday before I left camp, I went down to the shop and borrowed a pair of pliers and I walked up the path and I found the chain with the sign on it by the side of the path and I took the pliers and took the sign off and I took it into the chapel and I hung it on one of the trusses that are at the front, what we would call the front of the chapel. Um, I think that I hope some of the people that are there see it now, the sign that says only Jesus, because I think it's an appropriate idea or slogan for Templed Hills or for Falls Creek, my camp, or for any church camp for that matter. I think if we remember only one thing from camp, only one thought from a camp sermon, only one theme or word from a camp song or a film, I think that word should be Jesus. It must be Jesus. As I said earlier, I don't remember a lot about the sermons or the lessons at my camps at Falls Creek, but I do remember this. We talked about Jesus at camp. At camp, we sang about Jesus, and at camp, we prayed with Jesus, and at camp, we had an experience of Jesus. Only Jesus. And Jesus, I think is enough to remember, for us to remember. So now, let us together do as Jesus commanded. Let us partake of the bread and the cup in remembrance of Jesus as he commanded us. And we don't have, um, I think I'll ask Bob, Bob and Robin, are you going to be the server today? We'll just do one today because we have so few, one set of servers today because we have so few uh, people. So if you'll come to the front, 
Um, I'll, I'll stay here to talk because I don't have the, this mic on. We, at this church, we, take commun- we have an open communion. So all are welcome to come and take communion with us. In addition, we do it by a form called intinction. That is, we take the bread and we break off a piece and then we dip it in the cup and then we partake of it together. And we also do this by coming down the aisles and uh, taking the bread first and then that and then moving back to your seat. We normally have music playing during this time. We don't have any today, so it'll be silent, which is also good for your time of meditation as you come and remember Jesus as we partake of the bread and the cup. So I will um, give this to Bob and Robin to work with. Bob, and uh, you know what to say when they come, and you've done this before. And so let's stand now and make our way down to Bob and Robin and take communion. And we'll ask.